Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, Leslie Thomas. And today I am talking to another fantastic guest. The name Michaela Wayne will be familiar to many of you as Michaela was a finalist on The Apprentice of BBC One. But Michaela is also a hugely successful entrepreneur in her own right. As the MD of Design and Build UK, Director of Vantage Utility Connections, Director of Property Ninjas, and the founder of the Women in Construction Awards. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Michaela. It is so good to have you here. Yes, no problem. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? What a question, Leslie. What a question that is. Um, well, I had none. I had none for a very long time, to be honest. I, I grew up, um, I guess you would say, in an underpri- from an underprivileged background. We wasn't... Um, we, my mum owned her own property. My mum and my dad bought their own property when I was young, and then they split up when I, when I was three. So she always owned her own home, but we lived in a rough, rough part of Bolton. And I grew up not having any money. We had free school dinners, free school uniforms. So I was obsessed at a young age with money. I always knew that I would earn money. I didn't know what I would do. I never, I had no plans when I was younger. I don't think most of us do, but I was fixated on the fact that I was going to earn loads of money and my children would never have to queue up for school dinners. So my start in life was, um, yeah, not having a great deal of money and always wanting it. And then, uh, obviously, as I've gone on throughout my career, um, I've been fortunate enough that I was in sales. So, I mean, sales is just a brilliant industry to be in because you kind of take charge of your own money. You know, it's, it's up to you. It's the one industry where you get paid on how you perform. You know, there's so many other jobs that that doesn't happen with. So I loved it. And I knew the harder value works, the more money I was going to earn. So that was all it took to motivate me. I've always been money motivated. And whilst doing sales, I did very well. Went on to start my own business. Um, And then, you know, I, I, I do all right now. But I did not understand money. I do think it's because I came from an environment where we, we didn't really have much to go around. So I didn't understand it I didn't understand the value money I first started earning it it was going out faster than it was coming in because I was buying the boutons and champagne every weekend to be honest and I was just loving like I'd never had this before I'd never experienced it so it was all going up the wall and it probably took me maybe over 10 years 
to really start respecting money and understanding I've got to create something um, for future me to be thankful for for what current me is doing, um, which is when I started to invest in properties. Um, and I mean, I was already investing in businesses, but I wanted something that, that was just my own, that I could call my own. So um, I, I guess it took about 10 years and then I, I learned to respect money, respect the value of, the, of it and edu- educate myself on, on finances and investment because it's just, it's not something you thought. And if you're from a family like mine where nobody invests because we, we didn't have enough to buy what was necessary, let, let alone invest, it's something that um, that I had to teach myself and I had lots of brilliant people around me who was willing to help me out as well with that. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when we are younger, and I think it, it, you know, it's common for the majority of us, when we're younger, there isn't any education on how to make more money and the options that are available. The only thing that's ever spoken about is a pension. And that's it. There isn't. And I, you know, I we also have a property business as well. But I knew nothing about property and how you can utilize property to make more money. You know, I've only learned about that probably in the last 10, 12 years or so. And it's, you know, it's not my parents' fault because they don't come from it. My dad was a police officer. My mum, you know, had a part-time job. But I I just went down the same line as them. You go into a corporate job, you get a pension, you're set for life. And I think at school, when you have, you know, career conversations, et cetera, there should definitely be a piece of that that talks about investment how to get your money working for you, how to be able to create more money than your parents had. But that doesn't happen, does it? What was what was the what was the catalyst for you to not go down a normal route of say, I'm going to have a corporate job and I'm going to have a pension and that's that. That's that is how my path is going to be come to go a corporate job I think I'm unemployable to be honest I'm an absolute liability and a bit of a nightmare <laughs> so as an employee it just it was it was that was never an option I wasn't um I did actually really well at school I it's beyond me how I think I must have just been naturally quite right but um I hated it I I, I say I hated it I, I like the fun side with my friends but I just wasn't into education whatsoever. I did go on and do my A-levels purely because I just didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And then I went to to university for a year as well. Uh, But I was doing religion and special needs. I wanted to be a counsellor initially. And it wasn't that I'm against corporate jobs. I genuinely feel like... I'm just unemployable. I just don't have the personality to to be told what to do, to work for somebody else, to see the money that I'm bringing in for somebody going into somebody else's pocket. I'd rather me just do everything I'd rather work harder and and do everything so it was never ever going to be an option and to be honest I weren't from a background where people would push me into a corporate job or I was the first one in our family ever like out of a huge family as well I'm one of six children and then my my mum's got loads of brothers and sisters and my dad too and nobody had ever been to university so I was the first in our family to ever do that that was a huge achievement in itself so that was never really a thing all the boys in my family got in 
construction and again the, the usual gender bias was saying I shouldn't get into construction so there was there wasn't really any expectations my mum wanted us to do well she wanted us to do well in school but there was there was never any pressure to go any kind of way because it was I was kind of just carving my own path in life so it was only when I when I started working that I realized you know this this absolutely is not for me and I, I need to be able to do my own thing and I, and I want to be paid more for, for what I'm doing because I valued myself higher than, than what I was getting paid in the end and um, I think a lot of women don't speak that way but you you absolutely should you need to understand your own value and what you are bringing to to companies and your contribution and what you're bringing to your household if, if you're not working you know if you're if you're a stay-at-home mum, the value that that you have, everybody is worth something, and it's up to you to put that value and respect yourself enough to say, "This is what I am worth." If you're unwilling to pay it, then I will find it elsewhere, and there's always somewhere else to go. For me, it was to, to go along and and create my own future, whatever that was going to look like. And you know that's that is so important. You know the fact, and you know, that is why I do what I do, and, and why this podcast you know was born. Because people talk about you know our relationship with money, our money mindset as just being you know a figure that is or isn't in our bank account. When actually it's so much more to do with our own sense of self worth and self value, and it's our sense of self worth and self value that is what dictates that number in our bank account and until we as women collectively bang that drum on a consistent basis to say we are valuable what we are doing is not being valued and ensure that one by one we take personal responsibility for what we want to have then until that happens we'll be banging that drum but it it won't be being heard and i think you know, exactly what you've said there. When you look at the cost, for example, of childcare. So when, as women, you know, we go to work, we choose or not choose, but have to go to work, the cost of childcare is a reflection of the service, you know, as a parent, you are providing if you are choosing to stay at home. And you should value what you are doing in terms of bringing up your children rather than just seeing it as I'm a stay-at-home mum, I'm a housewife, because there's so much more to it. In addition to that, you can times it by three as well. So my son's just started preschool. He's been at nursery. Well, I I had um, a nanny at first, but everyone is straight into nursery. But I had a nanny from him being two weeks old. I had to go back to work because it's my business. And um, then he went to nursery from being just before he was one. And so for the last almost three years, he's been going to nursery and the fees was £1,450 a month. Now, in the first year, maybe, he it was one nursery nurse to three children. And then by the end of it, it was one nursery nurse to five, I think. So you can times that also by that's one person getting paid to look after five of those. So that is worth as a business. £6,000 or whatever the maths is on that. So this isn't my biggest, and honestly, this is my biggest pet hit in the whole world, is how on earth are we not providing free childcare? And I know this is off topic, but it it really grinds my gears. How is it not that free childcare is provided from the moment a woman or a man wants to go back into work and start putting back into the tax system? It absolutely is essential because 
women generally are the ones who are going to be the main care provider and are left in a situation where they go, all right, okay, so I'm going to clear after tax £2,000. It's going to cost me £1,450 a month to send him to school. It leaves me with this amount and I'm not going to get this additional bond with my child because I can't be with them because I'm going working for somebody else. Why would anybody do that? Yeah. If you can afford not to, why on earth would anybody do that? Whereas if it's free and then they're getting the £2,000, we'll find a lot more women going back to work and, and carrying on their career path as they absolutely should be able to do as well. It really infuriates me. But back to your point, doing the direct comparison is important. Every job that you do, every single minute of your life, however you're choosing to live it, is worth something. Yeah. If you were doing something for somebody else, that is worth something. Somebody else will charge for it. So if you are looking after an, an elderly person in your family, if you paid somebody else to do that, that's worth something. You were saving money for your household or your family's household to be, be providing that job. If you're looking at it, your children, you are saving money for the household. But to be doing that, this there is value in everything that we do. If you're cleaning your house, you'd pay a cleaner to do it. I have a cleaner at home. There are not whatever it is, £15 an hour or something. That's worth something. If I do 10 hours in my house, I would have paid somebody £150. Yeah. Every, everything that we do, whether it's in the house or out of the house, is worth something. Yeah. And if you were working for somebody else and you were getting paid £15 an hour, but your experience, you've got 10 years experience in the industry, you're looking at other people in other industries, they're getting paid far more than that, then change your job. Do something that is going to pay you more money. I do a direct comparison when I go and talk into, um, I go to special schools where it's basically children who's been expelled from everywhere else and they go to these schools and they do alternate learning. And no word of a lie, 100% of those boys want to get into construction of some kind, plumbing, electric, whatever. And 100% of the girls want to get into her beauty, makeup, something, these typical male and female roles. And I sit there and I point out, listen, you're going to spend an hour being a nail technician. Fabulous. You know, if that's your dream, do it. But if it isn't your dream and you're just doing it because it's a job, understand that even if you was working for yourself, you may make £10 an hour after taxes and all the rest of it from doing that one hour. If you're a boy and you're a plumber, um, or if you get into the no, if you get into the plumbing industry, then you could be getting paid up to a hundred pounds an hour. Yeah. Your time is worth something. Don't just say, oh, because girls are nail technicians, I'm gonna do this. And don't just say because, oh, this is the job that I'm currently doing. I'm currently doing admin, so I've got to always do admin. No, your time is worth something. You can go to a different industry and earn more money. And what we need to do as women is the value ourselves and value our own time and say well I believe that my time actually is going to be worth 100 pounds an hour so I'm going to look for an industry where I can earn 100 pounds an hour because this is the lifestyle that ultimately I am going to be funding. And I think you know amen to everything that you said there because I think if we can you know I'm part of a pilot for a school in Wiltshire that I coach children who are 14, 15 on their relationship with money and that everything that they're doing now is creating their their future self, the future that they're going to be to be leading. And you you're you are, you're having a conversation with these people when they are just at that precipice of pressing a button that might be the wrong button for them to be pressing but they they know no different how is how is that message received by those young girls amazingly well do you know what i've been doing this for quite a while now maybe seven or eight years and i have to say these are 
more challenging children who have who have had challenges in their lives already that they should not have faced where they're up to. Um, but I had come from a similar background. So to speak to them as a woman who had done that and now we're doing quite well in business, I think it's good for them to hear that story and see that. And we we have had some positive inspirational stories that have come from it where then women have gone into trades. I've helped them to find um, companies who then they can go on and be apprentices with or then encourage them to go down a different path and go into college and perhaps not even learn a trade, learn to be a project manager, but to get into construction of some capacity. The thing is, there's always going to be things being built and um, construction makes up one of our largest um, contributions to GDP. We're not taught it in school and I'm not talking about um, being a bricklayer or being a plumber like we're heard about, you know, we, we hear about these things in passing, but we are forced down this path of more corporate. But what we're not, we're not saying is actually there's a big skills gap shortage. There's loads and loads of money in construction and there's all these different angles. You don't have to be working on a building site. You can be a quantity surveyor, you can be an architect and you're going to earn so much more money. But the education system is shy of telling people what money is. You know, the, we, we have all these stereotypical roles, be a police officer, you can be a postman and, and fabulous. You know, if that's your calling in life, absolutely crack on. But if you do not know what you want to be, let's talk about money. Let's talk about instead of what you want to be, what do you want in your life? What is the end goal for your personal life? Do you want a family? Do you want to be single? Do you want to travel the world? Right, okay, so this is what you want. You want to live in a house that's worth a million pounds. To finance that, you're going to need X amount of money. Look at the end goal of what these children want. Work it back and then say, right, to be able to do that, you're going to need to earn £30,000 a year. Now, all the different job opportunities that will pay £30,000 a year, this is them. You'll need three years training in this. You can get into sales immediately and do that. You can do and show them the different job opportunities that are going to give them their end goal instead of saying, what do you want to do? What yeah. a ridiculous question asking. My son's 13 year old, if I tell him what do you want to do, he wants to play on his Xbox. And yeah. all, Exactly. Like, like, what do you actually want? Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to understand from those children then as well, who are inspiring to really earn money, who is this passion from, and this is going to be a more business-minded person, or who really is passionate about helping and giving back. And you're going to understand what drives these children, what is their own personal end goal, and are otherwise, like, what doesn't drive them and then they may just want to have just you know a normal typical job they might be happy plodding along but let's understand where the children are at and just do a bit of psychology like try and work with these children to get them to their end goal and show them the ladder of how to get there instead of just forcing them into university and into debt and into just an unknown world with mass debt that is and a degree that's never going to serve on absolutely no absolutely everything you said there you know created that kind of that that real feeling in my stomach you know of of, of connection because i think when it comes to children very often you know there is a bar they believe they can't push past because that's you know that's where their parents were but when they are shown the art of the possible when they are when they see the evidence that other people have been able to do things that they did not think was available to them that is when you really engage them and you don't just really engage them you get them motivated to realize they can 
ask for more. They can expect more. They can go for more. And I think it's that level of motivation that you are demonstrating there. That is what's going to get this country back on its feet to make that real connection between what you think you can do and actually aspiring and going for a lot more. Yeah, well, the thing is, Leslie, do you know what? Even if you, I never ever imagined when I was starting, I always thought, or I always knew actually this really weird feeling that I knew I was going to have money, but I never knew it, I would be as successful or to the point as, as where I am now, such what. Um, I'm a bit superstitious. I never knew that I would ever be at this point. And over the years, I've raised the bar and raised the bar. I think what we need to do with, and this isn't just children. I mean, this is people who are unhappy in their careers or yeah. are unhappy being a stay-at-home parent or whatever else. This is everybody. Just realise and try to set that bar a little higher. If you cannot dream this end goal, then set it a little higher than where you're at. Just set it two or three runs up. So if you're currently in a rented accommodation and you're like, my dream is to buy a home, that is my end goal, then just set the bar a little bit higher to that point. And then when you bought the home, whatever it is, a three-bed semi, that, that was my first property that I bought, then from that point, you're, you're in your three-bed semi, you're like, right, I can relax now, I've got to this point, or I can set myself a new bigger goal. And throughout my career process, that is what's happened. I never knew the end goal would be where I'm at now. I, I don't think I would have been able to dream it because I'd never seen it. Um, but I set it at one point, and then after a few years of being settled there, I was like, actually, I can do something more here. And I keep increasing and increasing and increasing. And then I, I do believe that you get to a certain level where you've overachieved your own expectations, and that's when you start realising, actually, I can do anything here. They, like I can actually do anything but that cannot it can't be taught that I don't believe that we can teach people this I think we can tell them the stories and inspire them but if you have never witnessed this you've never experienced it it's very difficult to visualize it it, it takes years of training to really visualize where you want to be so I think that could be asking too much from people but to just set the bar to something that is realistic and work back what we're not taught and what everybody should be taught is how to work back it's how I run all of my businesses it's how we run our sales team it's how I run my life right what are my goals and I do this on a monthly uh, quarterly and an annual basis in between Christmas and New Year every single year I sit down and I go these are my goals and these will be personal goals they'll be my business goals and then they'll be my family ones so I'll say I want to go on two holidays I want to go away with my boyfriend. I want to, I always want to lose a stone. I never lose a stone, but I always want to lose a stone. <laughs> me as well. I'll lose a stone and put it back on before next Christmas. So <laughs> I've always got my personal ones and then my business ones would be, I want to expand the sales team. I want to do estimating revenue. I want to do this, that, and the other. And then I break it all down then. Right, how am I going to lose a stone? I need to lose X amount of pounds every month. How am I going to afford to go on these holidays? I need to earn this amount of money every month. How am I going to be able to expand the team to this? Well, I need to employ this amount of people every single month. How am I going to do that? And then I've got all of my monthly goals lined out, and then I've got something to keep on track with. All right, okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't lose the pounds this week. I did manage to save the money. I did employ one of the staff. We have turned over a hundred grand, whatever it is, month by month, going on to get me to this end goal. 
And I promise you, if you put structure in your life to that point and something that is, because you break it down further, right? So if I need to do 100,000 turnover every month, then that means every week I need to do 25 grand. That means every day I need to do 5,000 pounds. That means in the morning I've got to have done two and a half grand. Where is this coming from? So it allows me to keep track of everything. We're either going to be miles behind, miles in front, just on track, whatever. But I'm going to know where we're up to at all the points to get me to this end goal to push that business further. And that is the same. It applies across everything, across personal life, across your personal life as well. When it comes to your saving money, what is key for you in the next 12 months? Is it actually buying those new shoes and going out to, to that new event? Or is it making sure that you are on track with saving that money so that you've got your deposit? to buy your first days. I think it's really important exercise that everybody every year, and do you know what? Every single year I have it in my notes on my phone. When I'm having bad times, I'll screenshot it and save it as my screensaver on my phone as well to, to keep me pushing on and keep me motivated. But every single year, at the end of the year, I'll go back and I'll tick off what I've done or I'll cross off what I didn't manage to do and I'll learn my lessons, right? Why did that, that not happen this year? What happened? So in the pandemic, I was absolutely nailed to the wall um, with finances we went to five percent turnover it was an absolute killer for us and um we've got through it and everything's fine but at the end of the year I was like it's been so bad you know like I've not done anything what I wanted to do I wanted to expand this business I almost lost a business blah 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 and I sat down and against all of the goals I set out what I had actually achieved in that so one of the businesses we wanted to get from four million to five million turnover we managed to keep that one stable it went to about three and a half but we managed to keep it stable-ish so that actually it wasn't that bad the expect but we was in the middle of a pandemic yeah exactly and then, the next one was I wanted to employ 10 staff. We didn't employ any. We ended up furloughing half of them. And so I went through and I was like, I looked at the end of it. I was like, right, yeah, but we did sign up 100 new clients and I did do this. And by the end of this exercise, summarising the, the hell year that we've been through, I'm like, actually, this really isn't that bad. Because in addition to, we didn't achieve our goals, but in addition to all of this, what I have done is I had time to reflect on my businesses. We brought in different revenue streams. We laid the foundations for future and at the end of it, I felt really, really proud of myself. And I'd gone from being beating myself up because I hadn't, I wasn't where I knew I wanted to be, to actually being like, oh my God, we've smashed this year because it was just traumatic for the whole world. Exactly. And we still managed to get through it. And so I think it's really important for your own self-confidence as well. And to so you've got a record of I wanted to do that and I did do it, or I wanted to do that and I didn't manage it. But actually, given the fact that this has happened in my life. I still managed to achieve this. And then you and I'll do that and then I set my goals for, for the next year based on where we're currently at. And I think it's the, the most important exercise that anybody can do yeah. when it comes to your finances and your personal life, because it really helps you to monitor and maintain where you're at. Absolutely. And I think as well, it's really important to be able to link the two, but also separate the two. So having your your finances and your personal goals clearly aligned with each other, but also to recognise that your self-worth and your value is not set within your finances as well. Your, your, your self-worth and your value is there based on the action that you take based on the set of circumstances, pandemic, for example, that you are you're having to deal with and and for you know for people listening at the moment you know the, that goal setting piece is as you've just demonstrated absolutely crucial but also to go and look for the evidence of who is doing what you are doing 
but have a, but further along their journey essentially than you are because if they are doing it they're demonstrating it's possible and if you then see well how have they done it do i need to change add to what i'm doing in order to be able to emulate the success that they're seeing because i think very often we limit ourselves because we don't believe it's possible Yet, if we go and see, so when you go in and you have the conversation with the um, the people, that, the children that you're having the conversations with, you're demonstrating to them, you know, my business is, is turning over millions. This is how I have done it. This is the belief I had to have in myself. And whilst initially they might sit there and go, yeah, well, it's okay for Michaela. Actually, they'll start, it'll start to percolate. Okay, so Michaela said she came from this background. This is what she had to do. Bloody hell, look at her now. And I think for all of us in setting our goals, it is about realising that we've, we're not always as brave as we could be in terms of setting that goal. It's exactly as you said, we sometimes set our limit and it's only when we get there or go beyond it, we look back and we go, oh my God, actually, I can do this. I've demonstrated. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? Two things on that. I'm absolutely all up for being a copycat. Definitely do it. I didn't think of being a construction magazine. I went my lifelong dream. I worked at a company that was doing it and I replicated what they did and I just made sure that I did it better. I I probably didn't do it better for the, the first 12 months, to be fair. I was just really cracking on. And, you know, things develop over time. You you don't have to go out and be a genius and reinvent something. And this is why it's really important that we have strong female role models at the top in all industries or, or you know, like having your own business and things. So, or even like on social media, just women that we can look up to. And I know it's a real cliche, but it's so true. Like we can only be what we can see. And if you can look at a woman who's come from a similar background to you, a similar career path or whatever it might be and say, oh, she's done that. So I should be able to do it. How did she do it? And you're just following the footsteps. Absolutely. One hundred percent it needs to happen. And that is why it's important for us to have female role models to show that they they are they, they've done this to help inspire other people and the same for all of the minorities actually it's really important that they, everybody has a role model from whatever background they're from so they can aspire to be something better and um it's key to being able to you know to, to see other women who are out there doing the same things of what you want to achieve and and not again it doesn't have to be unrealistic goals the thing is is when we set goals that you don't believe you can achieve, it's going to make it more difficult for people to to stick to it. So it needs to be something where you can say, right, it's just, even if if this is your first time of doing the exercise, right, what is legit, like something that I do believe I can do, just let's go for one step up. Let's just go for them. What is my next step? But if if we try and encourage people, I know that I'm a different human now than when I when I started in business. And I know I have all the belief in the world, but I wouldn't have done. And if somebody would have come trying to teach me all this, it just wouldn't have registered with me because I wouldn't have believed it. So I think what's really important until you're really used to visualizing what you want is to just go the next step up and don't be scared of setting the goal. If we're telling people to set unrealistic goals, they just won't set it. They won't yeah. monitor it. It's going to be too much. It's too overwhelming. It's like, I don't believe in myself. Da, da, da. So just set the next step. What is the next step? And, and how can I achieve that next step? What do I have to do? And most of the time, unfortunately, it does come down to financials. So if the next step for you is purchasing your own house, then you're going to need an extra £300 a month to do this. 
then you either ask for a pay rise or you're going to look for a different job. But if you set yourself that goal and it's just the next step up and you are really adamant that you want that next step in life, then you can, it'll force you to do something about it. Whereas if we're saying, I want to live in a mansion in the hills somewhere, then, you, you know, we, people don't know how to get to that point. So let's just take it through step by step. If you're already into the flow of these things and you're already moving and you've made moves, for your listeners, then do start setting these bigger goals. Once you've done that and you've made a move from and you broke the, the family cycle, perhaps, if you was like me and, you know, we're, we're from this area and I moved out of the area and I've got to this point, then start setting those bigger goals because you've got the proof, you've got the evidence and you can take confidence from what you've already achieved. But if you still feel like you're in this rut or you're in this same cycle as everybody else, then just set one goal. Just set it as a, the, the next step up. I want to now purchase my home. I, I want to purchase a bigger home. Whatever that goal is, or you know, I want to expand my business by one member of staff and really understand, drill into it, what do I need to do to get this? And what's a realistic time frame? If it's five years, then this year I need to have saved X amount of money. And just do it step by step. And I promise you, you will achieve what you want to do. You have just got to go for that that next little push, that next little step. And if every single day you were just taking a little step towards it, you will reach your goal. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's an important message. You know, I think it's really important to set a stretch goal, but not an unrealistic goal. Because if it's unrealistic, your your subconscious will just continue to give you all the excuses as to why it's not for you. Whereas if it takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but you do believe it is possible, then that is when you'll see the results and you'll be prepared the next time to maybe stretch a little bit more. Honestly, it's just like... um... It's like when you're losing weight or you're going into a new training regime, if you're losing weight and you say, I want to lose a stone by the end of the year, it just, it's not going to happen. It's daft. Like if you say, I want to lose a stone by the end of the year and I need to lose three pounds every single month or whatever it is to, to enable me to be able to do it, it's far more likely that you're going to do that and it's far more likely that you're going to keep the weight off as well. And then once you get into the routine of this is how I've lost the weight and you're in that habit, it becomes far easier to set bigger goals. And then that's how you see people who have gone from 18 stone down to like being supermodels and they, they lose all this weight and it's a journey that you go on and it's the same with your finances and I think if you're just dipping your toe in the water and this is something really out of the ordinary fire then you just need to set that next step just this next goal a realistic time frame and really push for it because you will find then everything else has fallen into place if you say I want a four bedrooms detached house somewhere but you're currently renting then it you know, this is going to take years and years yeah. and years potentially. Whereas if we just go to that next step up, we can say, right, I do only need a £300 a month increase. I'm already on £3,000. So um, where can I get this? What can I do? And it'll it'll give you the options to be able to start figuring it out. And you'll, you'll start to find things just fall into place. You know, it's when you say you order it from the cosmos. I know this is going really woo-woo, but that was the first time that I ever learned about this stuff. I read uh, Cosmic Ordering for Beginners because they heard that it changed Noel Edmonds' life. Really random story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever said it. But it's how he ended up getting deal or no deal after a really traumatic experience. Anyway, I digress. But it's a brilliant book. It's actually what really changed my life with this. I ordered from the Cosmos uh, a white Range Roll 
a white Range Rover and a van conversion for a house. I didn't end up with either of those, but it set me on this um, path of, I actually ended up with a better car. I got a BMW i8, which I loved. Not um, bad at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I look like such a dick in it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I thought I were the absolute dogs at that time. My son um, loves it, that car, absolutely loves it. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. Like, yeah. Everybody thinks you're in if you drive one but anyway <laughs> I couldn't get back out of it as a problem now I think once I got into the bucket seats I couldn't get back out of it exactly you've got to roll out of it yeah. roll out in such things so I was like um, thinking I'm a boss girl um, but yeah I mean I put it out there and I ordered it and it just basically tells you to believe like if you put it out there you will you will get this you've just got to keep saying it you've just got to put it out there and I, I do feel like it just changes the psychology of your brain if you really start to believe no, this is going to happen. And you actually really believe in it. It's so difficult to do it, to, to train yourself that way. But if you actually do start to believe, you all of a sudden start finding yourself getting closer to that because you're changing the, the decisions that you're making on that journey to that point. So it isn't that the cosmos then waggles a wand and gives it to you. It's that your brain has changed. And you're like, oh, no, because I'm going to get this Range Rover. So because I'm going to get that Range Rover, actually, I can't do this job I'm going to have to do that one because that's going to pay me more money and that's what's going to get me to the range rover but I think cosmic ordering for beginners is just really like um, a way to teach you to set these goals and to visualize things and to you know believing is believing something else at times when we perhaps don't believe in ourselves and that was like I said the first book that I read uh, along those lines uh, I was about 23 and then I started my business when I was um, when I was 25 and you know since then I've been gifted a lot of shit from the cosmos. Excuse my French. I mean, not not but you know, it's really interesting you say that because I met somebody this week who's coming on the podcast shortly. Um, and she is known in America as, as, as the Queen Manifester. She was a nurse in 2019. She's now worth $20 million. And she basically set herself the task and when I say manifesting her belief very very similar to yours and I, I I'm starting to buy into this because if the evidence is there you can you can continue to deny the evidence or you can find out more about it and her belief is you have to step into the the identity of who you are and who you want to become. And if you step into that identity and you take personal responsibility for everything that goes on in your life, so you don't say, oh, I'm having a hard time because there's a recession. I'm having a hard time because there's a pandemic. You actually step into the identity of I am going to, I am a millionaire and everything you do, you do in that identity. And exactly as you just said there, when you start to take on that identity identity, and start to believe you are that person or start to be that person, then the action that follows can only lead to you getting what you initially set out to get because you are taking the action as though you had already achieved those things. So it's really interesting you saying that. Do you know what I think? Like I say, I, I started to study religion and philosophy when I was um, 
when I was at university, I found it just incredibly easy because it's all just that you decide what God is and all the rest of it. So you, as long as you can waffle, you can pass a religion degree inside info. Um, but it, I, I do feel like, um, and I'm not saying religion should be forced on anybody, but the morals that are taught from that and the, and the self-teachings, the self-beliefs, this praying to somebody for something, its this is what manifesting. And in a world where we're now lacking religion, um, and I'm not like some religion buff here, I've not been to church for donkeys, but um, I do believe, you know, in, the, in this, there's something else. I really think that this is what manifesting and visualising and all these things, we're, we're having to reframe religion in, into different things because we're not taught it really anymore in school and the teachings of religion is just the same as manifesting we would pray to god for something i mean you can pray for health that's a bit different but we would pray to god for please give me you know a better life please give me this da, da, da. and if you really believe in god and the fact that he's going to gift you this you end up getting it and this is what manifesting in it. Instead of believing in a God, you are essentially believing in yourself. But in the Bible, I feel like I'm some big religion thingy, but I'm not, I promise. But in the Bible, it teaches us that God is within ourselves. And I like the psychology around, um, around business, around people, around manifesting a religion. And I do feel like 2,000 years ago, whatever, when this book was written, it was just somebody who was incredibly good at manifesting and who was saying, God is within ourselves. We can make our own decisions. We can go on to do this. We've been taught this for thousands and thousands yeah. of years. We're not taught these things anymore. And people are depressed and people are anxious and we don't have this community feel anymore. And I'm not saying religion's the answer, but I am saying this teachings in there and what we can learn about ourselves and the psychology and the thing that how we can teach ourselves to get over things is really important so if we're not going to be going to church anymore then we do these need these manifesting chats these confidence chats these things where yeah. we're teaching people how to deal with your thoughts how to deal with anxiety how to deal with sadness how to deal with wanting greater things we're not taught that anymore no. so it's got to come from somewhere and I feel like we're getting into adulthood and because we, we've not got this belief system in anything we're having to find it elsewhere and not everybody can find it not everybody which is what I was saying I, I do understand manifesting I've studied it somewhat um, and I think those people who haven't been taught this and, aren't, um, you know, they don't have access to this information or they don't have time to absorb it all. Setting a massive end goal is absolutely spot on. And if you can visualise that 100% do it. But if you're not equipped with the tools to allow you to continuously to visualise this, then just take That's that. Small. Yeah. But yeah, and I mean, the other thing is like, go to church. And honestly, and I, like I said, I don't want to be some religious buff, but do go to church because what they teach you in church is how to be a good person, how to treat other people, how to ask for things. You will be given what you wanted. Like these messages, we need to hear, we need these good vibes coming from yeah. somewhere. And so if you don't want to be paying for manifestation courses or you don't want to be paying for confidence courses, Go to a church, it's free, absolutely, and you'll be getting the same kind of information just with a with a God slant on it. Absolutely. Now, I can't have you on the show if you don't mind without just very briefly speaking about the Apprentice. Was that on your on your list of goals? Um, no, no, it was it. It wasn't actually. Um, I always was a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> 
but no, no, it wasn't, to be fair. I basically, business had got a little bit samey for me. I felt like I needed a new challenge and I felt like I was stuck. We'd been turning over, whatever it was, four million for um for a few years and I felt like I wasn't equipped enough to get us to the next level because everything in business I was self-taught I didn't have any mentors I didn't have anybody to speak to I was the most successful person I knew I didn't go to networking because I, I suffered incredibly from social anxiety so I had nowhere really to turn and so my brother had been on Love Island actually a couple of years before I was like oh yeah I did that so well at the time um so maybe I can put these two things together and go and get some business advice from Lord Sugar. So my end goal was more over the investment. It was to have somebody who I could speak to and meet who could say to them, Michaela, try this, you know, do, I don't know everything. No, nobody does like, and I don't know what I don't know. So I needed somebody to guide me. So yeah, the, the reasons I went on was for anxiety and, and for help more than anything. And did you enjoy it? Because I actually, I mean, I love watching the programme, but I can't imagine anything more anxious than being, there with a bunch of people who you know appear to have a go at each other and put each other down rather than it being something that's going to take you out of your anxiety yeah so with regards to my anxiety at one point in my life I was having six panic attacks today I was bad I didn't leave my house for six months I was in like a real bad state of affairs um, I'd, I'd got better since I'd had my first son, but I'd go through waves of just this anxiety and, and social anxiety. It, it was really social anxiety at this point. So I, would, I didn't like meeting new people. I felt like incredibly pushed and I don't know, I was just constantly sweating. So I thought if I can do this and um, get fired in public, then surely I'll have that in my armour and nothing can can ever be that bad again. So I can always relive this experience, but if I got through that, da 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 since then, I am pleased to report I had one panic attack since then in the last five years, but that is purely because I had caffeine by accident and, um, and I was hung over as well. I had this paracetamol with caffeine and I was like, oh, and um, I ended up with a panic attack. But that's the only one I've ever had. But um, other than that, the, the first couple, maybe the first week, so the first two weeks what was heard on TV um, it was a challenge. I was I was struggling to, to speak in the boardroom more than anywhere else. Once we was out on task and I was doing stuff that was business related, I was buzzing. I'm like, yeah, I can do this, I can sell. That was no issue. Dealing with other people, no issue. But when we was in that boardroom environment, it was Lord Sugar, Karen and Ford. I just felt so overwhelmed and out of my death. The first couple of weeks, I really, really struggled to talk. Um, but after that, yeah, I loved, loved, loved the whole experience. It was brilliant. It's changed my life for loads of positive reasons. I met my partner. We've had a son. I don't panic anymore. Um, so, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. And although on TV people look like dickheads, um, actually in real life, the majority of them are really, really nice. And I was I'm fortunate enough that I just don't suffer fools gladly. So nobody really tried to sell me out. And the thing is, Leslie, I know in business, the geeky thing is loyalty. So when you see at the beginning of the boardrooms, everybody starts to throw each other under the bus. They don't even know if they won or lost. And I would just say to people like, can they? What are you saying she's made a mistake here for? Because we might have won yet. And they all going to look like a feather at the end of it. Yeah. They can pulled right for nothing. And I think because people knew I was never, I was never going to do that. I would never put the blame on somebody else. It was always going to be, yeah, do you know what? The team decided this, blah, blah, blah. So I think because of that, people respected me. So I never really got 
Um, I never really got it off it. Nobody ever brought me back in the boardroom, actually. <laughs> I think I'm quite That's serious good. about when I get on one, I'm like, what are you talking to? Get outside. <laughs> so what is next for you? What are your next goals? Oh, my God. Leslie, what a question. Well, um, I'm, I'm on a mission to change the face of the construction industry. We're currently at 15% of women in Production. It's it has been raised by two percent of the over the last year from the last report. So some of the initiatives that are taking place are working. But ideally, I want to get to twenty six percent by twenty twenty six. And so I have a big push for that. I do the Women in Construction Awards. Uh, anything female empowerment is um, my I guess my passion and purpose projects which I work on. Um, my company, Design and Build UK, the magazine that. That's who does the awards as well. Um, we're hoping to expand that, quote, open an office in London because me and my partner of five years still live at opposite ends of the country. So I wouldn't mind living with him. Um, yeah, Vantage, we're hoping to expand that, get back from the pandemic. So we put our extension plans back into place and um, try and still be an amazing mom. I don't know what the children think of me, but they still want to give me kisses and cuddles. So. Oh. I'm hoping I'm doing um, a good job that basically I'm just continuing this journey. But my biggest push is um, is going to be to get personally to get a house in London and to um, to open an office in London. But to really, really make this change in the construction industry and to, to help more women on the on the path in construction as well. Yeah. And, and all power to you you know, for doing that. Absolutely. One hundred percent. So the women that are listening to this podcast who have an inkling to want to know more about becoming a woman in construction and to reach out to you for everything that you've said today, how can they connect with you? A couple of things. Number one, do get in construction. If you are in a career that you do not enjoy, trust me when I say construction is amazing. You are literally changing the landscape of the environment. You change people's lives. We provide housing, we provide commercial, and you'll be changing your own life. We like to say you can fix yourself whilst you're fixing buildings. And it's 100% true. It's so much fun. And you leave a legacy. There's going to be a building there left long after you go as well. Um, and just think about all the times you've been in the car with and they've been like, oh, I fitted them windows on that project. <laughs> it's a really proud thing. There's loads and loads of money in it. So please do come into construction. If you do want to get in touch with me, the best way is LinkedIn, Michaela Wayne. Um, but I am on Instagram and Twitter, Michaela Wayne, and the number one. Um, or otherwise, go onto our website, designandbuilduk.net. Um, I think there's all direct contacts on there. There's more information about the awards that we do and all the different initiatives around um, women, women in business. I run a group every Wednesday evening at 7.30 online on an app called Clubhouse. Uh, open invitation anybody can come in and listen get involved in the conversation brilliant for networking and brilliant just to hear what other other women are doing in all different industries so yes feel free to come along and join us brilliant and all those details will be in the show notes so people can easily reach out to you whichever means they want to do so so it just leaves me now to say thank you very very much i've absolutely loved our conversation have a kind of hankering now to get into construction myself so you've done a good job there <laughs> thank you very much michaela thank you thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the let's talk many and more podcast i really hope you enjoyed it if you would like to better understand your relationship with money then please head to the resources section on my website the money confidence academy and download my monthly money mindset audit. 
This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.